former NFL GM, my colleague at CBS Sports HQ. He's an NFL analyst there, host of the excellent podcast, co-host with the first pick on Twitter, Spielman underscore Rick. If you haven't guessed who it is by now, shame on you. You're not very smart. Rick Spielman on the show. Rick, good morning. Morning. Finally, you got me back on the show. I thought last time I was on, I got booted off for life. No, you were so good that it actually embarrassed the other guests, and we got some complaints. <laughs> but I told the producer, Tom, those other guys got to up their game. Too bad. It's, part, it's like what the Bills did to the Dolphins. You don't like it? Play better, guys. <laughs> and speaking, Rick, of that game, I mean, I know it's one, it's one game, right? You've got the Dolphins humiliating the Broncos one week and then, and then getting beat down in Buffalo against the Bills. What we're, The chunk of the season we're into, including the, the, the game over the weekend, what do you make of Buffalo, and what do you make of Miami so far this year? Well, everybody was off the Buffalo bandwagon in the opening week when the Jets beat him. And Josh Allen's overrated. He can't play anymore. Defense, blah, blah, blah. But it's a long season. And to me, that AFC East is right now a two-horse race. I think Miami got humbled a little bit just reading through some of the clips. I think eating a little humble pie when you throw up 70 the next, you know, a week earlier, and then you can think you go do it again. But give credit to Sean McDermott. Uh, came up with an excellent defensive game plan, calling a great defensive game that held the running game intact and kept the explosive. I think anything after the first quarter, I thought it was going to be a shootout, but they made some adjustments and defense played great. And, you know, Josh Allen, when he doesn't turn the ball over, he's a pretty damn good quarterback. So And so I think uh, the biggest concern I have with Miami right now, it's not the offense and Mike McDaniel, but can Vic Fangio get that defensive uh, side going? And I know they didn't have Jalen Phillips. I know Ramsey's out and they're missing some pieces. But in order for them to take it to the next level and where they need to go, I truly believe that uh, Vic Fangio has to get that defense going a little bit. Rick Spielman here on the show. I'm Bill Ryder, CBS Sports Radio. Rick, correct me if I'm wrong here. Talk me out of this. I'm not a Chiefs fan per se, but I worked at the Kansas City Star a lifetime ago, and I wrote about that team a lot, and I got to know Clark Hunt pretty well. My kids were born there, and Patrick Mahomes is the most likable guy on earth from a distance. So I I, I enjoy it when Kansas City plays well. I'm not one of these anti-Chiefs guys. But, man, it just feels like year after year they are lackadaisical at times and they play down to their level of competition at times and they, they find ways to win. And Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the, to the Jets, but for you, and I know they just won a Super Bowl, are you with me or am I just expecting too much that I want Kansas City to not play such close games all the time with clearly inferior competition? I, I think you have Swifty-itis. Because ever since you start showing up to the games, you got a high, high expectation that, hey, Taylor Swift's going to be there. We should score 100 points a game. She'll be the inspiration to this team. <laughs> now, they're a uh, <clears throat> very good football team. And the teams, even like we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, okay, they're not blowing teams out. You know, they had a very uh, back-and-forth match uh, this weekend versus the uh, Washington Commanders and Sam Howell went into overtime. But good teams find a way to win. And except for the opener when they lost to the Detroit Lions uh, without Kelsey and without Chris Jones, they're still finding ways to win. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to continue to get better. Rasheed Rice is starting to get better. Sky Moore, they got some young receivers there. You know, the offense is always going to go through Kelsey uh, and Mahomes. Uh, You know, Pacheco had some explosive plays. So, 
I don't, you know, it's to me, I understand the expectations in Kansas City and winning, uh, you know, two Super Bowls recently. Uh, but it is a long season and it is a grind. And every win you can get in the NFL, you have to take it. Doesn't have to be pretty because it doesn't say pretty at the uh, end of that W. It just says win or loss. And they're finding ways to win as they, I don't want to say muddle through some things, but they played against a very good uh, Jets defense last night as well. But they continue to find ways to win, and that's the most important thing. All right, Rick, real talk. If you were the GM of the Chiefs, or when you were still the GM of the Vikings, if Tay-Tay had fallen for a Viking, are you going to mosey on over and just say what's up or ask for an autograph? or what? What's the move there when Tay-Tay moves in circles, you know, those NFL circles? I don't know. It's it's kind of intimidating if you ask me. I mean, I could go up and see these star athletes and owners and everything, and uh, you know, they're just people. But when you go to that to that level, that's a whole different level. So I don't know how I would react then. Um, but that that's a uh, you know what I'm I am uh, driving home. I was over at CBS Studios this weekend, and my two and a half hour ride back across Alligator Alley. I will contemplate that and try to come up with a better answer for you. I, look, I don't know what I'd do either. I, I once had a moment with Riri, but but most people were convinced she just had indigestion. That's why she made a polite face to me. I don't know. <laughs> Got to seize those moments, right? Uh, Rick Spielman here on, on the show. So it has been ugly for the Bengals, and, and it has been ugly for Joe Burrow. And we, we know he has that, that, that calf injury. Is there still a path forward from your perspective for Cincinnati to turn this season around, or is it time to maybe be a little more conservative with that quarterback? I'd be a little bit more more concerned than I've ever been in the past about Cincinnati. They just don't look in sync on offense. I understand Joe Burrow has the calf. You know, you can start feeling some tension coming out of that locker room with Jamar Chase and, you know, saying he's always effing open. Uh, you know, T. Higgins, I've been disappointed with this year, just watching how he's been playing, whether it was a contract or not, but having some drop balls. And then now I think uh, he got injured yesterday and, and may miss some time. They can't get that offensive line in that run game going because if Joe Burrow can't move in the pocket, hopefully he can take some pressure off him by being able to run the ball. But, you know, the defense was disappointing as well. You know, and, and you know, Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, I give credit to Brable and what a great coaching job he does because he gets the most out of the least amount of talent uh, on that team. Their defense stepped up. They've always been able to play – great against the run, but I thought this was, okay, it's a get-right game for Joe Burrow and that offensive weapon to have uh, against a very suspect and porous Tennessee pass defense, and that didn't happen yesterday. So when you have an opponent where you can expose a weakness and you didn't do it, whether Joe Burrow is healthy or not, but there should be some major concerns just watching the way they're playing and not playing with the same energy and effort that used to see in the Bengals play with over the last couple of years. Rick, I'm a Bears fan, but I don't want you to go easy. I mean, there's no going easy. Tom, stop celebrating. The producer here is real happy about my misery. Obviously, it's not been a great year. Now, I have no doubt that GMs, yourself included, don't take lightly firing someone and the upheaval that is in someone's life and the professional embarrassment, but it's part of the job. If you were in charge in Chicago and you had hired Matt Eberflus and you had inherited Justin Fields, where would you be at and how would you be evaluating what you needed to do or not do, both at the head coaching position in the short term and the quarterback position in the long term? Well, anytime, I don't know if it's 
very, I don't know, say smart, but if you do make a decision to move on from a head coach and seize them, who's the interim that you could put in place? Is there anyone qualified on that staff that you would say, hey, I know we can get through and survive with this coach if we make that change? And if not, then it could be even a worse disaster if you go through the rest of the season. So I understand Chicago was struggling. Uh, you know, that was hard to take if you're a Chicago Bears fan yesterday, uh, you know, having that type of lead and giving it up against the Denver Broncos team that's also struggling. I thought Justin Fields, I wrote an article on him this week, and the things that he did well and the things he didn't do well coming out in the draft, it just doesn't seem to mesh with what Chicago's trying to run on the offensive side of the ball. Now, because Justin Jefferson's such a great athlete, let's say he ended up in a Philadelphia system, like what they did with Jalen Hurst, or a Baltimore system with Lamar Jackson, or even what Shane Steichen's doing with Anthony Richardson uh, in Indianapolis. Would he be a different quarterback than we're seeing of what he's doing in Chicago right now? But it's a... Uh, the biggest surprise to me is Chicago is that you have a head coach that has an expertise on the defensive side of the ball. They spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball and they're getting no results yet. So that pressure is going to continue to build. I don't know if you go ahead and make that switch, especially if you don't have anyone qualified to be a head coach currently on that staff and you just write it out and make your decisions at the end of the season. If you have the number one overall pick, if you're the Bears, and I think that's obviously in the realm of possibilities, and there are changes, right? You can recalibrate. You can bring in a different coach, a different coordinator, if you think Fields can be the guy. Are you going with Fields, Rick, or are you contemplating, seriously contemplating, just drafting whatever quarterback you think is is the best in this upcoming draft? Because that could be a choice Chicago faces. Yeah, no, and if you think Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback, he cannot pass up a generational quarterback regardless of Justin Fields. And you hope that Justin Fields plays well because if whoever's making that decision, um, you're going to be answering or asking yourself all those questions. What kind of scheme we run? Can Justin Fields, is it, you know, Caleb Williams, do we think he's a generational quarterback? If he is, then there's no way we can pass him up. But if we do get him, we better make sure we're in sync on what he does well and that our offensive scheme evolves around his strengths, not us trying to fit him into our offensive scheme. And I think the coaches that are having success and watching in the NFL, I think Mike McDaniel is a great example. Okay, he took Tua, who everybody thought potentially was going to be a bust, until he came down there found out what his strengths were, getting the ball out quickly because he's not a great athlete or going to scramble around, get the speed and the skill set around him, and look what Mike McDaniel did with Tua. So I think in today's NFL that these coaches or whoever your coach is or coordinator is, and you draft a quarterback, that you better make sure that scheme fits around that quarterback skill set. Rick Spielman here on the show. Rick, the Patriots got embarrassed. Mac Jones looked awful. I actually want to ask you this Patriots question this way by backing up a little bit to last year when they did not have an offensive coordinator, and that's a decision Bill Belichick made. It has not turned out. They do now, but it did not turn out well for Mac Jones' development, and obviously the Patriots aren't doing well. When you were a GM, if your head coach, and I know Bill Belichick's in charge, so it's a little different, but if your head coach had come to you and said, Rick, I got this brilliant idea for this second-year quarterback, 
we're not going to have an offensive coordinator, what would your answer have been? Well, you have to have those, uh, as some people refer to, adult discussions um, on why and what's the reasoning and why you think it will be successful and depending on the structure of your organization. But the head coach ultimately is responsible for getting that team ready to play on Sundays. And he is ultimately responsible, the GM or the personnel departments, bringing in the talent, trying to marry up the talent with the scheme. But ultimately, the head coach gets paid a lot of money to make those type of decisions. Like, I don't think that a GM should tell a head coach, hey, you need to have this guy as your offensive. You can suggest guys, but ultimately, that head coach is getting paid a lot of money to make those type of decisions. Just like, okay, I'm going to hire a college director. I wouldn't expect the head coach to have, you can give me suggestions, but I want to hire the guy that fits the college director role and what I envision it as. So I think that you have to give those coaches part of their responsibility and what they get judged on is the staff they put together. And that's why they are put into that position. And hopefully they're making the right decisions on the staffs that they're putting together. Rick Spielman, former NFL GM, CBS Sports HQ NFL analyst, podcast co-host with the first pick, Twitter, Spielman underscore Rick, and someone who's going to contemplate the philosophical quandaries of Tay-Tay. And we'll talk about it <laughs> next time. Rick, great stuff, buddy. Thanks for, thanks for the time. Okay, hopefully I've earned another trip by back onto the show again sometime down the road. I'm literally going to have the producers send all the other NFL analysts a know that they need to just chill out, and then if you embarrass them, you embarrass them, they got to raise their game. All right, I'll make sure I have my Swifty shirt on next time we talk. <laughs>